0: Hello there. Science fiction is an existential metaphor. It allows us to tell stories about the human condition. Isaac Asimov once said, individual science fiction stories may seem as trivial as ever to the blinder critics and philosophers of today. But the core of science fiction, its essence has become crucial to our salvation. Welcome to the Sci-Fi Diner podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Scott Hertzog. And
1: good evening. I am Miles P. McLaughlin. And,
0: we, and I'm Dave Sellers. I almost forgot about you, Dave. I like steamrolled over you. Wow. I know, right? What? Right. Well, last week I didn't recognize you. I mean, you walked in, no beard. I'm like, <laughs> ah, what is this? And now here you're like back on, and I'm like, who is this man? Yeah. But. But yeah, uh, it's glad. To have, good to have you on, Dave, and it's good to have you on, Miles, and uh, we of course are missing our women folk tonight. But that is just par for the course. So that should soon change. Winter shelters should soon be done, I would imagine. So I think probably April, think. April. April will probably get Chrissy back. That's good. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, let's talk a little bit about, uh, our menu tonight. What are we, uh, what are we going to be delving into miles?
1: So we'll talk about what's going on in our sci-fi world. Um, not a whole lot of new stuff, news. Uh, some of the, sh- some of the, sh- some new shows have come out or I, should I say they're, you know, they're, 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 season openers have, have, uh, uh, come out, but, uh, Oh, there's still a lot to talk about with Picard and the Mandalorian, and uh, we're going to share one of the interviews I did at Farpoint. Uh,
0: and who are we going to be hearing from tonight?
1: We are going to be hearing from Mr. Billy
0: West. Ooh, and, uh, uh, and how might people know Billy West?
1: You may not have seen this gentleman, but you have heard his voice in so many different things. Uh, if you are a Futurama fan, um, and I know that's a lot of sci-fi crossover, uh, he, he voices almost every male character on that show, uh, but he's done so many other things. But um, but yes, that's you know he's a voice talent.
0: Nice, very cool, very cool, awesome. Well, looking forward to hearing that interview. That, of course, was done at Farpoint when you were there just a few short months ago. Yep, I guess only last month from when we're recording this now. So, but. All right. Well, why don't we head into what is going on in our sci-fi world? And Dave, I want to hear about your science fiction world.
2: Well, outside of loving every episode of Picard and Mandalorian so far, um, it's been kind of tame. I started playing World of Warcraft again.
0: <laughs>
2: yeah, I, I, I haven't played going it to the rabbit hole. Yeah, I, I haven't played in a while, so I was starting from scratch again, and uh, it, it seems to be all that I really want to do anymore right now at home is go sit up on my computer and play World of Warcraft. I usually have, and right gr- now I've got Star Trek. And,
0: and, and grind kobolds, I get it.
2: Oh, just grinding things out Yeah, <laughs> My Murloc friend's back again, like, oh yeah, I remember you guys. Um, Yeah, I've been usually, I've been running through Voyager again. Oh. All things. I have that on the second screen of my computer while I'm playing Warcraft. What's um a what season I'm in right now? I am in season five. Okay, I'm almost at the end of episode fifteen, Dark Frontier.
1: Have you checked out uh, Robbie Duncan McNeil and uh, Garrett Wong's uh, Voyager podcast?
2: I have not. Okay, I have not. It, it it's it's been on my radar for a long while. I just haven't uh, jumped be, into that one quite yet.
1: It'll be there when you're ready. But I, I, yeah. I, I enjoyed getting their perspective. I mean, they were they were they were making the show, and I'll um, you know, just uh, sometimes they do it. They, they bring one of their their uh, cast members for you know to talk about that episode with them and stuff. So it's so, oh, that's cool. Yeah,
2: keep it on yeah. your radar. Let's keep it on my radar. Mm-hmm. Um, real world sci-fi actually just came into my life this week when my when my twins were delivered. And uh, by twins, I mean my two matching Tenet T380 AMR robotic floor scrubbers at work. Oh, nice. <laughs> yeah, so I got my crash course today on programming them and uh, running, the, getting them set up to run their automatic routes through my building it's gonna be pretty interesting seeing this uh this manless machine now will they be running will, halls?
0: will they be running at night
2: they will be running in the morning when i get there they'll be running at night and you'll see them during the school day yeah. if you're out and out in the hallways during your prep period
0: so let me ask you this uh Major. will they manage the elevators by themselves
2: Oh, they don't go into that. It, they're not fully – it's not like Marty at Giant where he'll come out of his dock, go around, and come back to his dock. Got it. You have, to, you have to drive them to a starting location, and there'll be spots all around the building with little placards on the wall as starting locations. You pull up next to it. It'll scan the, the little QR code placard, and then I pick which – whatever programs I have set for that that home spot – and hit the button and let it ride. And then it'll come back to that spot when it's done and text me and say, I'm done. Come get me.
0: Yeah. There you go. Awesome. A little bit of real science fiction then in the world. Yeah.
2: Yeah. It's, it's pretty wild.
0: (laughs) Someday the robots will come and rise up and take over your job. Dave.
2: They can have it. (laughs) (laughs) I was, well, I was showing a video to the, uh, or two sales reps that were there running through the the training with me and everything. And I said, if you guys could find one of these, I said, get me a quote and I'll get them to buy the darn thing. I don't know where it was at. I'm betting China or Japan because judging by the context clues in the video, that's kind of where it got me, but it, it, it's a fully automated bathroom cleaner. The thing will come in. It has an, an an arm that'll extend out with a with a pressure pressurized hose and spray everything down to clean it. And then it has another articulating robotic arm with a vacuum on it that vacuums water off the floor. And away it goes. I'm like, that is cool. <laughs> they can have that
1: job. Wow. So we're there. Yeah. Robot. Uh- Robot custodians uh, they can do half my job, not all of it.
2: but
0: Not all of it. Well, there's they can have right. the half we don't want. <laughs> that's right. That's right. Let's do it that way. But Yeah. Very good. Very good. Great uh, stuff. Uh, are you reading anything?
2: Uh, not currently. Okay. Sounds Not good. currently. I am in a lull.
0: You're in a lull. Go ahead, Miles. Tell us about your science fiction
2: World. Sure.
1: So, um, I this is a non-sci-fi, but it has actors who we've seen and do uh, a lot of notable sci-fi and superhero movies. Um, uh, Idris Elba did this, uh, he played this British uh, detective, it was a detective show called Luther, that uh, was on Netflix, then it dropped on uh, HBO Max, um, and then the show ended, and then they did a Luther movie, well... Uh, the the bad guy is played by Andy Circus, and Andy Circus, I mean, Gollum. Uh, he was in he was in the last Star Wars Andor show. Uh, he is um, play. I, I just had. I mean, I always respect him as an actor, but I just had new respect for him as an actor because he played this really creepy guy on uh, <laughs> in the Luther movie. So uh, I was like, I, I recognize that, and then there's like. The voice, that's Andy Circus, and dude, he and he had this weird Benny Hinn hair. It was the hair that creeped me out. It was just, uh, <laughs> but he, he was, yeah, so, you know, if, if you like Idris Elba, if you like the Luther TV show, they did a movie, it's on Netflix. Uh, I'm, I'm still catching an episode of Outer Limits occasionally on the Roku app. Um, I'm also enjoying Star Trek Picard season three, which we'll talk about more. <laughs> Really happy! Superman Lois is back on the CW. I really love this show. If you, you know, I really love what they have done with the whole Superman story. Um, Join the Mandalorian. Um, I'm also enjoying Quantum Leap and the Ark. Uh, the Ark. I, I mean, it's not just humanity leaving Earth and trying to find another planet to settle. There's a whole story. there are going on in there just as far as um, you know, just, just, it's not, you know, there's some good character stuff in there. Uh, I finished reading a star Trek novel by um, John Jackson Miller from, it was in the strange new worlds uh, series. Uh, That was, that was a good, good book. I am currently reading a quantum radio by AJ riddle.
0: Sounds good. Sounds good.
2: By the title, I can assume that has to do with a radio that is hearing channels from
1: across different dimensions. Uh, similar so uh, there is like a pat like when they're when they're um, using like the particle accelerators and particle colliders, there's a scientist that has detected a a pattern and so it's like is this a communication from somebody? And then I just started the novel, but uh, somebody discovered that he discovered it, and so now he is running for his life. And uh, um, but but now he's you know he has help from from DARPA and the U.S. government. Um, they're starting to code what what this. There's a communication with with the, the these uh, particle uh, colliders. And uh, now they're, they're trying to now um, decode it, I guess. Sounds Interesting. Good. Sounds good.
2: Yeah, you made me think of that when you were talking about those particle accelerators. Another show I did watch that I forgot about um, on Paramount Plus is called Salvation. Have you guys seen that one? No. There's only no. two seasons. The uh, the main character is the same guy who played uh, um, Rios in Picard. Okay. Oh. Yeah, it was filmed before Picard started, but it was it was only two seasons, but it was really good. I enjoyed it. Good, good.
0: Now, now I kind of want to watch it.
2: Yeah, he's great in it.
0: Yeah, very good. (laughs) Well, my sci-fi world is uh, um, Picard, Mandalorian, like we said. I was watching uh, Quantum Leap, Miles, but I not I've not kept up on the past couple episodes of it. Okay. Um, other than that, I'm watching a lot of uh, League of Legends uh, on the weekends and reading the prequel, like I was last time, The Priory of the Orange Tree, the prequel to that series. So it's a fantasy series and uh, really well done. I, you know, I've had when I first got into, it, I'm like, uh, it took me about an hour to get into because I listened to the book, and after that, now I'm hooked. So I'm, I'm definitely enjoying reading that. And that's probably my uh, that's probably my science fiction world. I don't think I have a lot else going on. So, but so we can uh, we can leap into news before we get into the news. I did want to just mention we of course lost a uh, well known sci fi actor this week, Lance Reddick. Uh, of course, known for his work in oh, yeah. John Wick, and uh, I, I first came to know him in Fringe. He was like the fbi director in fringe and he was in lost in the wire and resident evil and um so he was in it wasn't just a lot of different things um
1: and uh, he often played a cop or like an fbi agent or you know somebody you know yeah like an authoritative figure but uh he, he always brought a lot of gravitas to uh those roles yeah
0: so Don't died died of age at age sixty, and they said natural causes. I think is what it said. So it didn't seem like anything to... Uh,
1: he, he was always good in whatever he was in. Yeah, it, it, that's that's a yeah. loss. It's a, I'm sorry, not, not, not won't be seeing him in anything.
0: Yeah, you'll John Wick Chapter Four. That'll be uh, <laughs> that'll be out eventually. So okay, but that's uh, just uh, start off with a downer while we're at it. But uh, no. Well, uh, just, we uh, remember him. Yeah. yeah,
1: remember him. He was in a lot of good stuff.
0: Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Um, well, very good. Uh, so do we want to start Mandalorian? Do we want to start Picard? What do you guys want to do here?
2: Um, what do you want to do, Dave? Let's go with Mandalorian.
0: All right. Let's, let's. let's go with Mando. So... Uh, uh, the last two episodes, I guess, um, he redeems himself in the uh, uh, waters of Mandalore. I believe that episode we didn't talk about. And we didn't talk about the latest episode with the doctor. But those are the two episodes we have to talk about. So uh, so we finally got to see Mandalore, Mandalore right?
1: Yes, we did. Yeah. And, you know, planet it is nothing great shape but it seems like it could support life and uh what i love about the show is there's lots of callbacks i mean we have a you know you know he he he, he doesn't get the the droid he wants but he gets an r5 unit and you know the r5 unit is smart not want to go out and you know check things out uh those aliens those beings they remind me of the, the morlocks from the, the time machine.
0: Yeah, absolutely, <laughs> absolutely. Like
1: the, the, this droid is no fool. Yeah,
0: uh-huh. A- exactly. And of course, we get to see the mythosaur, which is the man, yeah. which is the Mandalorian animal. We saw it, of course, in Empire Strikes Back and on Boba Fett's armor and so on. But now we got to see it live. It'll be interesting to see what they do with that.
2: Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. You hit the you hit the nail on the head, Scott, when you described that as like a very *Minds of Moria* vibe.
0: Oh, absolutely. When he goes down
2: well, into down there, in there.
0: I, so, it's like, what he can do? I mean, they, *Lord of the Rings* did it so beautifully by showing the vastness. And so, when you show a cave or a complex like that underground and it's vast, like Mandalore, of course, it's going to bring the callbacks. And it's dark and it's forsaken. Uh, so yeah, there's vibes all over the place. Obviously, a very different place, but still, definitely the vibes.
1: And
2: it, it was interesting watching Bo-Katan. when she's questioning questioning Din as though, you know, what are you? Why are you need to come down here? What are you doing? Right and she's following him along and and she's really coming to see that this guy is a true believer of all of these things that because of my status and my family's status, we've just kind of forsaken and took for granted. And this guy's actually risking life and limb because he believes it. And there was a moment there after she pulled him out where you start to think like Maybe she's, maybe something's clicking in her mind. Mm. And then the next episode where, again, she doesn't take her helmet off since she pulls him out of the water. Right. And how, how long is that going to last?
0: Yeah, hard to know. But she, uh, she, too, bathed in the waters, and that, of course, redeems yeah. her, too. So it's very interesting.
2: Yeah. And then there's the question of the Darksaber. Now I gotta go back and watch this again. Maybe one of you guys caught something that I might have missed.
0: She has the dark
2: saber. D- does she still have it?
0: I haven't. I did not see her give it back to.
2: Okay, the so that's why I gotta watch again to see because he lost it to the cave troll.
0: But she, picks it, but she does pick it up.
2: She picks it up out of the, from the cave troll, right? And beats the cave troll who beat him, right? So does that make this thing hers now?
0: Oh, I didn't think about that. Because
2: that, that would that would be th- that would get that saber where it needed to be without us having to see Bow and Din fight.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And I think that that might be a that might be a, a good way of reckoning the uh the situation. So Yeah. Yeah.
1: Well, you know, we saw Bow contends Castle get destroyed by those leftover Imperials.
0: Yeah, well we have we have to do a yeah, little, they- we have to do a little bit of talking about those leftover Imperials. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Do you know where I'm going with this, Dave?
2: Where did they come from?
0: Yes, where did they come from?
2: Yeah. So it sounds to me. And again, this is another time. I'm gonna have to watch this again to really listen to it. It sounded to me that the Empire left a garrison there on Mandalore. Since they conquered the planet or whatever to keep anybody else from coming back. Could they still be holdouts from after the fall of the Empire?
0: I, I have a better theory.
2: Another Mandalorian faction that took all the equipment?
0: No, no. I have a better theory. First Order? No. No. Let me, let me let me explain. What's
2: your theory?
0: Okay. <laughs> Thrawn So if you will recall, <laughs> one of Thrawn's tactics in in our ar- in army would be distraction. So while the and Bogatan are busy dealing with the interceptors, a group of TIE fighters destroy Bogatan's home by also setting a major trap. And this is a strategy that's been seen before employed by Thrawn himself he does that in the books uh huh yep so this is another uh eerily similar to a strategy to Thrawn we might see Thrawn before this uh series is out oh my god
2: I would hit the roof will you, will you, will you, I would Dave, hit the Dave, will you wet,
0: roof will you, will, you, will you wet your pants
2: but oh my god well yeah he'd be wetting them <laughs> but <laughs> but
0: yeah, so uh, it's, in, it, it's an interesting thing. Um, so the bombers are like bait to lure Bo-Katan and Djarin straight into the path of the second much larger force. And um, yeah, it's it's just interesting. So will we see it? Uh, but apparently in the animated series, Star Wars Rebels, where Thrawn made his first on-screen debut, the Grand, the Grand Admiral employed a similar strategy against the Rebel Alliance in Season 4, of Episode 9, Rebel Assault. And during mm-hmm. the campaign, that served as one of the first battles where the rebels flew their brand new X-Wings and initial force of TIEs were defeated in orbit before rebel fighters were attacked by a second Imperial wave hiding in the atmosphere of Lothal. So it's a very oh. similar sequence, which I think is why they're saying it could be a, a setup to a Thrawn appearance. And it's a, second, a it's really a sec- good theory. It, and it's the second one that we've seen in this uh, series this year. So Mm-hmm. So, we'll well, see.
2: all roads lead together, so if they're prepping up an Ahsoka show, this would be a good in.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, we introduced Ahsoka in here, we he introduced Thrawn in here, That bring it on, right?
2: Mm-hmm. Which makes me then wonder, when am I going to find Sabine? I mean, you're dealing with all these Mandalorians together. When am I going to see Sabine Wren?
0: Sabine Wren.
2: Yep that's going to be awesome
0: yeah so but anyways so uh, so i wanted to talk we were talking about the the whole battle with the tie fighters uh beautifully done and great and fun um although we don't really know and the only thing that i that that um and uh so i don't know my star trek uh, star trek my star wars lore well enough um and i'm willing to I'm i'm willing to admit that but my understanding was that Tie Fighters have a very limited range. So if yes. if they are flying from Mandalore, as some have posited, uh, to this other planet, that seems to be a pretty big distance for Ties to be flying.
2: Wait, from from Mandalore to what planet?
0: To whatever wherever Bo Katan is.
2: Oh yeah, 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 yeah. So like yeah, they so, did get so there. that
0: seems to maybe suggest a ship that we haven't seen yet. Maybe. And maybe yeah. I'm wrong. Maybe that distance isn't as great and it ties can do that.
2: Well, no, it would it wouldn't matter because you you never even throughout the lore there, unless it has a... Because even Bo and Din had to go into hyperspace to get from her planet to Mandalore.
0: Yeah, so it seems to be so, Yeah,
2: yeah it, it's a distance greater than then a, a TIE fighter is going to fly without Wait, a mothership.
1: I mean, TIEs don't have hyperdrive, if I remember
2: correctly. Some do. Yeah. Okay. But not the ones we've seen on screen. Yeah. Okay.
0: Yeah. Yeah. This article seems to say that starfighters pursue the Mandalorians from Mandalore, but we don't really see them being pursued from Mandalore. We just see them in Katan's planet. Huh? So I'm not sure I agree with this article, but that's all right. Let's talk. A good b- though, yeah. So here we are. We we get we get the fantastic opening sequenced episode four, and then boom, let's hang out with a doctor for most of the episode. Um, uh, yeah, There's a huge swerve. Yeah. What was that? There's
1: a huge swerve. I mean, it's a, you know, a different different storyline.
0: Yeah, Again, Which I I
1: found interesting.
0: Yeah, interesting, and of course. um, he kind of saw the fact that he was going to be duped by this girl from the from the get-go. Um, but let's talk about motivation here. What's going on?
2: Well, that's really the key, isn't it? Right. Because he's having – the doc's having a hard time adjusting to being pretty much almost going through re-education camp
1: his job is boring too yeah, yeah. A-
2: and his passion i mean he he can't pursue his his interests his passion with with the, the cloning technologies all this stuff so what better way i mean you get a, a, another formal imperial who's actually who was who is uh, uh what's his name' He's one of his officers Gideons Gideon's officers to coax him into stealing some equipment. But why would she set him up?
0: Right. This becomes a big question. You know, that's the real question. And then he like, and then she like turns up the mind flare. and I'm like,
2: Oh,
0: you know? Yeah.
2: Yeah. So she cooks. she, So she gets him to steal this stuff. Cooks his brain. Now, is that all a ploy to get this equipment to Gideon?
0: And for what purpose? I mean, this is cloning technology, so this is not just a random thing, right? Um, so, this cloning technology is being taken. Where? Who are we cloning? Is yeah. this a tie-in to the Last Jedi, where we see the or, You know, when we see Palpatine what? come back as a clone?
2: Ah, is it a set? I, is it to- is, 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 is
0: set up to legitimize the last three movies? Maybe.
2: I, I'm gonna doubt that one a little bit, just because.
0: Just because you hate the sequels. So.
2: Well, n- no, and not just because I hate them, because they're they're so they they've been so panned by enough people and the fan base, and even Kevin Feige and or not Kevin Feige, uh, guys who are writing this thing don't seem to be tra- trailing that path themselves because there's nothing else here that's being set up to, to even lead to even feel right now that it's leading into that to me. I'm not saying it's not possible. It certainly could be. But again, if your goal at some point is to scrap and rewrite seven, eight, nine, I, that, that, w- that wouldn't be quite a thing to do it but but it, it, it will be interesting to see where these things are going especially when you've just fried the mind of the doctor who knows this technology who knows this science and how many others of those are actually out there at this point we don't know but yeah. it can't be many
0: well the Camino- because the emperor
2: took what you want yeah but what did the emperor do with that? Because at some point he quit the clone thing and went to conscription to fill his stormtrooper ranks. It's, it's, it's interesting. It'll be interesting. Yeah.
0: Interesting. Uh, so that's an unanswered question as to why she does what she does. And I hope, hopefully we'll get answers. Hopefully we'll get
2: answers. Oh, I'm sure we will. Yeah. And we, yeah,
0: we, we, (laughs) we, of course, uh, at the end of the episode, then, of course, get the redemption of Bo-Katan and of the Mandalorian. Yeah, so
1: I thought we kind of also kind of got a little the dark side of the New Republic. I mean, just uh, why would they have this equipment? I mean, yeah, they may not be using it as a mind flayer, but the fact that just with a few twists of a knob, it's a mind flayer again. It's like, um, you know, and just this guy going to this droid that seemed like just a glorified parole officer. You know, have you had any, you know, are you satisfied with your job? Yes. Or Have you had any negative feelings towards the Republic? You know, the, the, these, you know, wrote it it, it, it was, the questions were, were robotic done by a robot. It was just, it was, you know, it was like, it was some, Tire board bureaucrat doing it. it, it that, that's kind of the vibe I got from it. You know? Right. Uh, and so, uh, it, it just, the idea of offering amnesty to Imperials and trying to find a place for him sounds good. But then, uh, you know, just uh, you know, they, they kind, he he's just kind of a glorified clerk in his new job, and um, the New Republic, you know, has imperial assets and it just you know it's like instead of trying to make good use of them they're just talking about like scrapping them or destroying them or something like that it's kind of it was cool cool seeing a star destroyer um of course not that the doctor and uh former imperial officer went in there trying to get the equipment off of that's always fun going back to what we've seen before so right
0: you know it's 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 interesting um I agree. There is a sinister side to the Republic. Um, it was it was eerie watching. You know, when we first open up and you see him standing in the center of what appears to be the Senate Chambers, uh, that was just an eerie, eerie throwback as well. It's it's different, but it's very you know Imperial Senate vibes.
2: Yeah, so. and I I couldn't get past the fact that they're. Cataloging imperial ships and equipment to destroy, but you're keeping a a mind flaying devices. You know, why am I scrapping good ships? We're early on in the formation of this new government, and I'm taking good hardware and assets and scrapping them. That part, that part still, I, I can't wrap my mind around as to why you would do that when you have infrastructure there already built that you can you utilize but i don't know that's nitpicky i guess but
0: yeah I, you know it's 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 interesting you know it does it does you know bring you know it's you think you don't often think about you know the new republic win wins what happens to all the ships of the old republic of the uh, they're, they're around you know mm-hmm. and so um in some ways that's you know that's what happened when you did like in in boba fett right when you saw some of the the, the robots that appeared that they were like oh this is this is clone wars air attack and then uh of course uh the mandalorian sh- you know ships you know you know though this is clone war so you get to see some of this creeping back in and and uh It isn't as separate as Star Wars is sometimes kept. You're seeing echoes of these come through, and why not? I mean, even we have antiques from 150 years ago that we're still nursing and, you know, bringing out for show and running around. So it makes sense.
2: Still works better than all that modern stuff they make now. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. But, but I mean, it, you're you're still battling imperial remnants out there. I mean, Gideon's out there; he's got ships. You know, there's other imperials everywhere. We know Thrawn's out; that we yeah, we know Thrawn's out there somewhere.
1: Is Gideon out there though? I thought. I mean, they they apprehended him. And he sp-
2: I,
0: I heard rumors he
1: escaped,
2: escaped
0: somewhere.
1: Oh, okay. Yeah, so, yeah. They talked about that in
2: one of those one of the episodes here yeah. about him getting loose.
0: It was a. I think it was in this last episode. It was a might have been
2: conversation. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah, I think it would have been.
0: Yep. Well, maybe we'll see IG88 back. That'll be cool. So.
2: <laughs> terminate.
0: Yeah, terminate, <laughs> terminate. Uh nothing like seeing a good throwback to uh <laughs> to the Terminator movies.
2: But, <laughs> but.
0: Well let's let's go into let's go into uh Star Trek. Let's uh switch franchises, talk about Picard, which cause after all, Picard, right? And we've had right. two episodes. The last time I was on the show, I was complaining quite profusely, and I think rightly so, about Rikers uh behavior, but they seem to kind of uh, reconcile that in this uh last episode or two episodes ago. Um, uh, how did that go down, Dave?
2: So that episode started off, I guess, with uh, with Picard and Riker having a conversation, and Riker apologizing to him um, after the death of Riker's son. He he's he was having a very hard time dealing with it, and, and a hard time staying at home and, and and being around all of this. And one of his big motivations for joining our beloved admiral in his latest adventure was to try to escape that. And he's trying to run from it. But as anyone who's ever dealt with real grief, you can only run so long because it, you can't outrun it until you deal with it and face it yourself. And he was trying to escape that, that feeling of death and that, that darkness and when he faced it himself here again it it, it he couldn't handle it, and he, he snapped at the card. it came out there and, and they they seem to have reconciled, and he apologized, and everything's back to the way we we know and love but how how happy or how I should say how happy. How satisfied were you with that that uh, revelation and reconciliation, Scott? Does that help assuage your? Yeah, so or make uh, understand it and it, and make it feel better. It, it, yeah, make it feel. Yeah,
0: so <laughs> I get. I guess so. Uh, it makes sense why uh, Riker's acting that way because he's not acting that way so much because of Picard, but because of his own internal battles and demons. And I get that. And and um. There seems to be a genuine, I mean, this is what you would hope among friends, the way you would deal with crap. If, you know, Dave, you get pissed off at me, you know, that we would be able to, you know, step back and breathe and come back and talk civilly about it. And this is, I think this is, I think this makes sense in the universe. And, and I, I did buy it. I did buy, I did not buy the quickness that he threw with which he threw Picard off the bridge but I do buy the reconciliation of it so good. so good yeah so i can say that i i bought that but i actually kind of uh forget that episode beyond that i mean uh, I, like, yeah, it I, was, I like the episode uh you know
2: yeah that that was very that episode was very character centric for most of it,
0: yeah.
2: And seeing how a lot of these characters are dealing with the the onset and facing what feels to be certain death, right? Um, but we start seeing some interesting twists in in uh, the admiral's son. Yes, starting to see some strange visions and was something that, was sparking to was was life. Was
0: that in this episode? In episode four?
2: Yeah, you saw. I think it was towards the end, or at some point in there, he started having those flashes and visions and of whatever like creeping thing started eating up the bulkheads and the vision of this door that that popped up. I'm still not exactly sure what it is, but we find out later what it causes him to do when he embraces it a bit. Well, but yeah, I mean, watching Riker throw the asteroid at the, the other ship there at the end to escape the, the, uh, the uh, birth contractions of that nebula was uh was funny. <laughs> was great. It mm-hmm. was great.
1: Well, we got more also, um, background in Shaw's character. Shaw is a uh, Wolf Three Five Nine uh, survivor, and kind of informs you know where he is, you know why he. Not that anybody has any love for the Borg, but why he uh, definitely has no love for uh, Picard or, or Seven, and uh, I thought that was you know, you know that we got some that was good that was good background on him and why he is the way he is and you know he even admitted he said sorry uh um what's the exact something about you know uh, asshole you know asshole was part of his charm or something like that now he's oh just- asshole
2: took the place of charm or something like that yeah <laughs> yeah it was clever i liked it but, but uh, it'll, yeah, his character will be interesting to see now that he's gotten that off his chest and aired that out there. If his person, if his character's personality starts to soften up a little bit, yeah, begrudgingly, yeah, begrudgingly. But yeah, I mean, like anytime, like you're bottling something in for so long, and when you finally get it out, you feel a sense of relief, and and your personality changes a bit. It'll be it'll be interesting to see if it does. Now we know. I mean, right away it really doesn't. But well, that goes into the next episode. But we'll get there. Right.
1: Right. Um, you know, we, we we got the revelation. You know, they're, they're, you know, the changelings are back, or this small this faction that changelings are, have are infiltrating all of Starfleet, and uh, um, and and I was like when. They, well the one changeling comes in the form of uh, Ensign the Forge, and when she gets gets killed, we don't see the changeling revert back to goop. Like, did they forget something? Nope. They explain what happens in the next episode. Yeah, so.
0: absolutely. Yeah, these are, this is a this is a um, evolution of changelings.
1: That's for sure. Mm-hmm. So, and, and another thing, I think, I mean, they're really giving Crusher more to do. This this. Uh, she, she's the oh, one that's discover- discovering why things are happening the way they are and yeah uh, she just she was more you know I don't know more of a secondary supporting character even though she was a main character of next generation I don't she wasn't utilized as much and, and, and this well, she time was She back
0: in her role as a doctor, that's for sure.
1: She was as a as a doctor, but she was also like, you know, there is a pattern to these energy waves that are hitting yeah. the ship. There's yeah. reason why that's happening. So, uh, no, that, that great episode. I, I I'm still enjoying this. I this is the Picard I would have wanted in season one. Mm-hmm. Uh, I I just think well, maybe timing is everything. Uh, maybe Terry Metallus wasn't available for season one, but uh, I, I sing his praises right yeah. now. Yeah, I. They need to give him another Star Trek show when this one's over. Yeah. Yes, indeed.
0: Yes. That would be a unique Star Trek show. But um, well, well, so yeah. go ahead.
1: Well, I'm thinking. You know, there's been talk. I mean, a lot of fans like, "Hey, we want Shaw." I mean, he may be, you know, an asshole and a, a dip, just a dip, dipshit from Chicago. But uh, he <laughs> loved. People want a Captain Shaw series. You know, and, you know, yeah. You know, is Captain of the Titan? Maybe Seven still as his first officer, but. A uh, lot of lot of love for Captain Shaw and the actor who, who plays him.
0: Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Absolutely. Well, let's talk about uh, episode five where shit gets real. Yep. Oh. Yeah. So. <laughs> oh. <laughs> so, so real. So I, I have a question. We obviously are going to talk about Rolar and you know, seem back because that was absolutely fantastic and way too short. But um I want to talk about the voice, the Jack, the Jack Reacher's hearing
1: jack crusher you
0: mean. yeah jack yeah, sorry jack reacher listen to me Different <laughs> well
1: he turns into a bit of jack reacher here
0: <laughs> he, 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 do, he does <laughs> absolutely um so jack crusher the voice that is uh his mother's voice right
1: it's a woman's voice but i'm not sure it might be it might be his mother's voice it
0: sounds like his mother's voice to me it sounds like his mother's voice i could yeah, be wrong it, it
1: does
0: so uh what is this saying what is this doing? Is he a changeling?
1: I changeling sleeper agent.
0: Sleeper agent, I can believe, especially with the way he was acting. Well, the- and he also has this bit—a bit of foretelling, but able to make decisions that go against it, so that that doesn't happen.
2: Yeah. So. Oh man this this one I have no idea is he is
0: he is he tied into the travelers can foretell the future
2: Hell, It seems a little too dark and ominous to be anything really good
0: except that he does take out the uh the four agents that are trying to you know the commandeer him in the hallway that's
2: when his good. life is threatened yeah, yeah that was that was good. really good
0: Right, he knows that them uh, being transported to the intrepid is a uh, bad thing, so he decides not to go. Like he sees that, right?
2: Uh huh. Um. So my theory.
0: Go ahead.
2: And I'm formulating this kind of as I'm thinking about it right now.
0: Always the best way to formulate a theory, Dave.
2: Hey, absolutely. So, <laughs> last the episode previous, we get a flashback to when he. When he first confronts Picard, when he's, he's, he seems very does, has a desire to find and know his father. And Picard in a bar talking to a bunch of students, a bunch of kids telling stories, doesn't acknowledge or, or seem to want to acknowledge his existence. Now, granted, on his sake, he has no clue that he's there. But that seems to have been the point that he references before where he stopped looking and stopped caring. I'm betting that turns him from whatever path he was on into something else. He gets involved, and it may even be how he gets why the... the, the, all uh, the uh, Christopher Plummer's is looking for him, that he got involved in some organization, some group experimented on him, trying to turn him into whatever kind of agent he could be. Uh, and I, he's I, been fighting it ever since. So let me build on that theory, right? Section thirty-one's coming in.
0: But let, let, <laughs> but let me build in that theory, Dave. Yeah. So we know that the the portal thing that was stolen from daystrom academy right or daystrom oh, yeah. warf tells us is a distraction yes. is is it is it a dis, is it a distraction from jack crusher like jack crusher is really the weapon they're trying to get a hold of not this yeah. other weapon
2: Oh, that would make perfect sense.
0: That, that that seems to make sense to me. It seems to tie in that story. This idea of them trying to go to Daystrom. So that would mean that would be that would suggest. And do we have any evidence that Jack Crusher was in Daystrom?
2: No, not yet. The only thing we have well,
0: is circumstantial so there a, evidence. There was a series of he tells he tell he he lists a series of places that they've been are, um is it um mama crusher does she uh list a bunch of places they've been of any of those places are they near daystrom uh, that's
1: a good question i'm not too sure about that
0: cuz that would be interesting
1: well we also have i mean there, there's been some fan theories that uh maybe uh what they what they stole was lore or stole moriarty
0: well, we do we do know that these that that data comes back in from the previews to the entire series previews, so we know that he's back in somehow. So yeah,
1: and that uh, would make
0: sec- that would make sense.
1: And there's also a fan theory is like Moriarty, like maybe he's the AI. That's kind of like the uh, security system for for Daystrom Station.
2: Yeah, he might be. Oh, maybe because for that to be the, for either one of those to be. You're letting you're letting us be aware of their existence in this show in the previews and the trailers for it. Right. That's a big reveal. So maybe... It, but, if it was so, the weapon, I wouldn't want to let you know yet.
0: Yeah, so it seems to be the... There's a reveal, but their purpose or actual role is a bit of a mystery. So that's where we're coming. Correct. Yeah, so... Interesting, interesting.
1: So maybe they, they, they should have not revealed those in the trailers. They did a good
0: job. Oh, no, not- I think that they, I think it, it teases us in, but they we just don't know what role they're playing.
1: See, I I I think I'm glad they didn't reveal to us that Ro was coming back. I thought the way they brought her back was perfect.
0: No, I oh, agree. I agree. So perfect. I agree.
1: And, uh, you know it was also very heart wrenching because this is the uh, this is how they close her story arc is uh, you know uh, the the changelings get her, but then she one ups them and, uh, you know, disabling that, that the, intrepid at least, at least their warp drive temporarily.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely.
2: Um, oh my God. Wasn't that, that whole reunion with her and Picard was so, it was, be- was so amazing. It was beautiful. It was. And The one thing I am I'm loving here, the thing I and it's become a theme now over a couple of episodes, with the Picard that we knew and love is being faced with the end results of him being him and the decisions he made, the stances he took, the opinions he took, and how. That's affected other people that we never saw, and now it's coming back to question him, and he's starting to look at this, going, "Maybe I was wrong."
0: Yeah,
2: and it's there's such a level of finality, right, to so much of it that it is just so compelling. Yeah, I freaking love this show.
0: (laughs) And then there's of course the death of Worf. Yeah. Yeah. So, how, how pissed were you when they killed Worf? Like, just at that moment? Oh, I, I wasn't.
1: I knew he was dead.
0: Yeah. Oh, you knew he wasn't dead?
1: No. no. There's no, no way you he he could take Worf, for one thing.
2: No. Now, even in his elderly state, and I've seen enough, and I've seen enough trailers and previews and promotion stuff with him in his back in a Starfleet uniform, with all that, and I haven't seen him in that uniform yet. He's not dead. <laughs> <laughs>
0: okay, all right, fine, 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 fine. fine. But yeah. yeah, very good. Well, is there anything? Is there anything else we should be talking about regarding these episodes? Or uh...
2: well, they're on their own now. They are.
1: They're on their own now. Well, they've made, you know, Bakar and Riker have made contact with with Worf. So the the, the reunion, you know, I mean, most of the band is back together, but, you know, now it's, you know, I think we'll see, you know, we'll see, hopefully, you know, they they meet up with Worf this next episode, maybe even LaForge. But we're getting close to the whole band getting back together. Very good. Absolutely,
2: which means the climax of the series is the show is coming, oh. and I cannot
1: freaking wait <laughs> oh,
0: but but you kind of wanted to delay it at the same time
1: a little bit, you know yeah, yeah. It it's been this has been great so yeah. I mean
0: yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Well, let's transition into the we could talk about Picard all night, I'm sure, and we'll be talking about it, I'm sure in future episodes here but let's go ahead and talk a little bit about uh this interview miles that you did at farpoint. Tell me a little bit about how this interview happened and uh about the person that we're interviewing
1: sure so um the the good folks at farpoint um uh arranged uh for you know uh, this was Saturday afternoon. Um, we had that, that back room, um, behind, uh, their, their main, you know, their their main audience. So that's where I had the interview at, um, with, 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 uh, with, with, Billy West and also, uh, with, uh, with Carlos and and Riley, which will be a later time, but, um, but yeah, uh, they, they. the, the the folks at Farpoint uh, arranged it at a certain time. We 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 met. We did the interview. Um, we had we had a nice conversation. Um, but uh, a lot of folks were were excited. I mean, a lot, lot of a lot of Futurama fans, and so you know, some good you know, some Futurama cosplay good there, at the con also. Um, but uh, so yeah, uh, that's uh, that, that's how that's how we had the the interview was uh, arranged.
0: Right. And, uh, sounds like he gave you a good interview about 11 minutes long. So that sounded good.
1: We had, we had, we had a nice conversation and, um, i talked a little bit about, you know, how he got, he got into voice acting. I think, you know, he's did some other live action acting, but yeah. the voice acting is what we, we know him from. And, uh, he, he, he um, he, he, he he did some stuff in the Howard Stern show back in the nineties also. Okay. Very good. Uh because he he could do voice impersonations. And so, you know, some people might have been pranked called by uh <laughs> by him. By by him. Yeah. You know.
0: <laughs> wow. Well, very good. Well, we'll uh we'll tune into that interview and um and then uh, we'll be right back.
3: for uh icy wiener oh crud i always thought by this point in my life i'd be the one making the crank calls here's to another lousy millennium
1: 10 news What the?
3: see any
1: of them again. Yahoo! Sci-fi fans, we're at Farpoint 2023, and we're hanging out with the talented uh, impersonator and voice actor Mr. Belly West. He has given life to these characters from well-known and loved productions such as Futurama, Tom and Jerry, Scooby-Doo, Ren Stimby, just to name a few. And if you need some laugh therapy, look up YouTube, Billy West doing impersonations on the Howard Stern Show.
3: Uh-oh. Mr. West,
1: welcome and thank you for taking time to talk with us in the Sci-Fi Diner podcast. My pleasure, Howard Stern Show. Hey, Robin, I just farted. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's, that's all. The,
3: my That's um, the unabridged uh, Howard Stern Show.
1: I was listening to... What are you, a D-cup? What are you, a C-cup? I was listening to the one you were doing with... Um, when he had on George Decay on, you were doing oh. you know, George Decay, senior or junior. Oh my. That was great. He got a career out of that. He did.
3: He and did. I mean, because I was doing that and then he kept coming back on the Stern show and then he wound, wound up getting a job on the show. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So you know well, I mean? like him. I know him and he's a good guy. Uh, I've met him a couple of times. He's always been a super nice guy. Oh, sure. Yeah. 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 Uh, so not only can you create new characters with your voice, you have a long history in your career of doing impersonations. When in your life did you discover you could do impersonations of famous people to entertain your friends? And when did you think maybe you could parlay that into a career? I was, um, I was a freak
3: when I was a kid. I was, um, you know, I was on the autism spectrum, but I had no idea. I couldn't tie my shoes. I couldn't tie a necktie. I, I had trouble with everything. But ask me to do a friggin' Fran Drescher impression. That's autism. <laughs> <You know? laughs> and uh, I, I was just able to do, like, whacked out things that most people could not do um, and had trouble with things that everybody could do. So um, I started playing music, mm-hmm. you know, because you're looking to express yourself. Mm-hmm. You, you're just bursting, actually, to contribute. And I started playing trumpet when I was about 10, and then um, sang in glee clubs, and I started playing guitar when I was about 12 and made a career out of it. I actually played uh, for a living and you know, sang, and then I wound up going into stand-up comedy clubs and trying things. But I would just, like, I would just turret out stuff, you know what I mean? Noises and voices, and, um, and I, I wound up in the right place for somebody <laughs> that was like me. Which was either radio or um, or cartoons or commercials mm-hmm. yeah, and and a lot of us have the same kind of story, you know mm-hmm. if you interview somebody and you'll hear like overlaps similarities in in their development, so your your, your, your gifts were definitely in the creative <laughs> for me yeah i mm-hmm. mean i was I was just dying to contribute it's not like I, um, I thought much about it. Except they said, how did you, you know, how did you get into what you're doing? And it's like, it kind of chooses you. Hmm. You know, you kind of, one day, something just pulls you in a certain direction. It's not like, there was no signposts, there was no teachers, there was no nothing if you wanted to do this. Mm-hmm. It was just like, you were um, the weird kid. Destined
1: to do it. Though. Yeah, in the family. <laughs> you got to go be with other weird kids. Mm-hmm. <laughs> What you're doing in an established character like Elmer Fudd, is, is it your job to maintain what has come before, or can you add maybe some of your own embellishments?
3: I try not to inject anything other than what the assignment is, um, but I notice that <clears throat> I, I go back and I look at clips of the real person, mm-hmm. which were really hard to find. Years ago, there was no information about anybody on anything, you know, especially show business. No, there was, everything was academia and straight lace, this and that. And, and if you said, you know, I want to sound like Arthur Q. Bryant, who? You know, you might as well be trying to explain a desert to a polar bear. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like, why do you want to do that? Because it's cool. You know? <laughs> shh, be very, very quiet. I'm hunting wabbits. <laughs> <laughs> Hi, Carlos.
1: We got a whole other show going on. Yeah, on we here. do. Um, like you, I'm a Three Stooges fan as well. Yeah, I was happy to hear and, and see your impersonations of Larry Fine. <laughs> do, do you perform the other th- other Stooges as well? Well, um, not. You know, I don't know. I guess for
3: assignments, like there's been things where they say we want you to do, we want you to do that mall yeah. voice, you know, yeah. and all that. Why you, i will mighty you go on, get away from here. And, um, you know, um, he, it was funny. He was funny because he was just as stupid as the other two, but he was given the orders, you know, (laughs) yeah.
1: (laughs) A weird dynamic. It was, but it worked. Um, um, Oh, God, Among your great repertoire of voice characters, do you have any favorites? I just,
3: I wish I could tell you, if I had a favorite or not, I've been just blessed very lucky to, to you know have somebody create and develop a character and then show you what would you do mm-hmm. that's the, that's the biggest thrilling moment I, I I was not you know doing impressions is is one thing, but if you're going to be an impressionist, you'll just wind up as a footnote in uh, vocal performance and mm-hmm. character performance history mm-hmm. which ain't bad. I mean there's some really great, great people who do impressions that are astonishing on youtube Mm -hmm. some new guys you know do you ever see those guys oh yeah like a
1: hundred different characters
3: yes i know and and it's like oh my god i guess the business is in good hands you know but um but i um i thought it was more important to create something from nothing and and that's the way people i work with you know, you work with innovators and they, no pressure, it's Matt Groening, he goes, what would that sound like? And it's like, I don't know. You know, so you got to think long and hard before you open your mouth.
1: But you created most of the um, the male character voices in Futurama. I yes. mean, did, what did you use to draw inspiration or was it like did the, 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 the script uh, give you some uh, material to work with?
3: Well, originally, um They showed me some pictures of the professor at Farnsworth, and they told me he was 147 years old. Mm -hmm. And I said, well, geez, look at him, you know, I mean, the character, I said, he looks like airplane food. He looks like a diseased piece of chicken with skin wrapped around it. You know, he's got these, uh, what do you call it, Uh, fungus? dots on his head and you know he was decrepit and he was 147 and i said you know he must fart dust like a mummy so i would be like shaking i would go you know i don't want to live on this planet anymore you know and and you, you throw in the god forgive me palsy and what other old stuff that comes along but i'm probably you know when i wake up tomorrow i'll probably have it um but um there was also uh, this Dr. Zoidberg who, his name sounds Yiddish. Mm-hmm. So I thought, well, that's a no-brainer. But then there was um, a couple of actors. There was one from Yiddish theater named Lou Jacoby. And he was in the movie Arthur. Mm-hmm. And he's the one that leaned into Dudley Moore and went, What's it like to evolve all that money? And, um, and then there was a, a vaudevillian named um, uh, George Jessel. Who you know? He he sounded kind of marble mouthy, like Lou Jacobi, and I kind of cold fused them or su- super collided them, whatever you want to call it, fusion. Um, and George Jessel was like, you know, the definition of a smart ass? a fellow that can sit on an ice cream cone and tell you what flavor it is. <laughs> you know, and 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 he was corny, you know, and people thought that stuff was funny, but he was in vaudeville. That was before that was television. <laughs> So um, you know, the combination of those two. Um Zap Brannigan was gonna be Phil Hartman. Okay. But his wife dispatched him. Right. You know, and it was so sad. It was just beyond sad. But he was so generous of spirit. Mm -hmm. He called up before I moved to California. He called my house when I was driving home. And my wife said, You know who called here looking for you? I said, Who? She said, Phil Hartman, and I said the you know you know how many guys I know that could pull a prank on you like that. She goes, no, it was him, and he wants you to call him. And I said, oh my god, he just wanted to call and say he was a fan. Yeah. And I said, I kind of know who you are too, you know. Yeah. And um, but we talked about our love of big dumb announcers, those old timey radio guys. You know. This conclude. This conclude. This conclude.
1: That is all. <laughs> So, so what's new on the horizon for you is there a new project you have coming up that we could be plugging
3: um they're they're new old it's like we're doing futurama again okay great this season and um and ren and stimpy has come back <clears throat> okay and so i'm screaming and yelling like 31 years ago i said you better keep a paramedic in the lobby you know it's like <laughs> jesus i don't want to stroke out how embarrassing but actually that would be a cool way to go you know, he was he was screaming as the cat and dog, you know, brain dead cat and, <laughs> and, a, and, a, and a psychotic quintessential a-hole chihuahua. I should shut up. The kids are over there. Mm.
1: Well, Mr. West, it was a great meeting you and talking with you. Thank you for your time. You're today, that sir. busy? You have to go?
3: I, is I, that the way it is? <laughs> yeah, I'm afraid so. Thank you, sir. Thank you very much. Nice Thanks for you. talking to me. I, I enjoyed it. I enjoyed it, too. Anyway, Thank can you, I have this? Absolutely. Okay.
0: And we are back, and hope you enjoyed our interview with Billy Le- Billy West. If I was going to say West, uh, Billy West, and uh, and we'll go from there. Um, is there anything else we need to talk about before we uh, exit out of the show here?
1: No, I, I think I think we covered
0: it. Well, it was great chatting with you guys, especially about the Mandalorian and about Picard, and uh, that's always a, a fun journey down. There. Theories and uh, ideas of what might happen in the show. We'll see if we're proved right or wrong in the upcoming days. That's for sure. Well, I believe that is about it. Um, Miles, why don't you take us out of the show?
1: All right. Until next time, good night, and good luck. We'll see ya. And go, Bold Lion.